if I did really have to think about it, I think it's more just, I like the idea of the freedom, but also I was always creative as a child. Um, I just have a lot of memories of just coloring things and drawing and stuff like that. So I think maybe that kind of creative aspect really tied in with, I think, my desire for a little bit of autonomy and freedom. And I think that kind of um, translated it into that. But when I first started this business, it really was, I really did enjoy like the creative process of that. And so I think just having that creative freedom and that control is kind of what always drew me to it. That's Diane Chang talking about what inspired her to start her own business. That wasn't the only thing though. There are many more very solid reasons which you will hear her mention in the interview. The creative process when starting a business is indeed very intense and I guess it can be very addictive too. The more creative you're allowed to be, the more creative you want to be. I can definitely attest to that as I run a creative business myself. Creativity is like a drug. Once you are doing it, you feel so much more fulfilled. Well, running your own business requires heaps of it. Heaps of creativity, that is. You also need a healthy dose of courage and determination, of course, because there will be plenty of setbacks on the path of an entrepreneur. And Diane is experiencing those right now, too. Anyway, let's listen to Diane's journey from acne to beauty bag. Enjoy. Staying Alive UK. Share your story. Hi, Diane. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Really great to meet you virtually um, across the big pond, as we call it. And uh, yeah, you found the podcast through interesting means. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But welcome to the podcast. And how are you today? Great. Um, so what we're going to talk about today is your story and um, our listeners are really interested to hear stories from business people who are starting out in business or may have been some more experience in business and I know you have a great story and I'm really looking forward to hearing it. So to begin with, um, love to know can you tell us, where were you born? Have you moved around? Where were you educated? Um, what did you do once you finished school or university? Or did you go into a career, into work? Tell us all about that. And then, and then we'll talk about current day and how that all came about. So over to you, Diane. Yeah, so I was born in Hawaii. I was born in Honolulu, Oahu in 1992 and I lived there up until I was about nine or ten years old so I had a really you know pleasant childhood on the big on the island it's not the big island but the main one I guess and 
from there, I did move to Georgia. I do have family there in the South, but I only lived there for only about a year for the fifth grade. And then from sixth grade on, I have been based in Los Angeles up until about 2019. So basically had most of my primary education or like, you know, the high school and college experience there. And I went to the University of California, San Diego. So more beach life. Yeah. And from there, I actually studied sociology and I got a minor in ethnic studies. And after college, I got, you know, the traditional nine to five job. I'm currently in public works. And kind of from there, I've always wanted to start a business. It was just a matter of what, you know, nothing in terms of timing really panned out. So, you know, I was just kind of living my life until about, like I said, 2019, I moved from California to Washington, D.C., which is where I am right right now. Right. And from there, I was able to slow down a little bit. Um, and save some money. And then of course, with the timing of the pandemic, we had nothing but time. Mm. So it, in a weird way, kind of accelerated things, but also came with its own unique roadblocks just because the entire world changed across every industry. Um, But yeah, I've always had an interest in beauty and makeup and things like that. And that primarily came from the fact that when I was about like 11 years old, so around the time that I arrived in California, Mm. I actually had really bad acne. And so kind of from there, you know, I was given, I guess, a lot of help in terms of trying to mitigate that. But, you know, it didn't really work out. Uh, just because it was like more hormonal more than anything, but kind of got me into that habit of maintaining a skincare routine. And then that trickled into beauty, especially around 2007, I was in high school and that's when kind of the YouTube beauty scene kind of came about. Yes. So with that match with kind of me always wanting to start a business, I knew at least from there, that's kind of the area that I wanted to be in Hmm. or just more of, you know, where do I go from there? And so when I came here, I actually maybe about six months to a year prior to moving here, I actually came across a fashion accelerator program called Factory 45. And it basically takes an idea to launch, right? So anything that you can sew, this program can help you with. And I was very interested in that. Um, And so kind of from there, that's how this idea of a bag came about, Mm. just because, um, you know, it relates to beauty, but also, interestingly enough, I actually kind of had a really bad experience moving from the West to the East coast. So California is very dry. We have basically two kinds of weather, nice and sunny, and then randomly cold. 
And so I came here around the springtime, spring into summer. And when I first moved here, I started breaking out again. And I was in around like my late 20s. So I definitely grown out of that hormonal acne stage. Yes. So it was just kind of a mystery at this point. And I started doing research and it was more, it had a lot to do with the humidity. So it's called fungal acne. And, you know, it kind of brought me into this whole other niche um, mm. into, I guess, the beauty space. But yeah. I was able to kind of resolve that. Um, and then a couple of months later, I actually was going on a family trip back down to Georgia. Yes. And around then it was summer and Georgia, it is sweltering hot there, <laughs> right? It's no joke. Mm. And so I had kind of resolved the fungal acne bit, but then because it was going to be a family trip, it was going to be very jam packed and super busy, you know, I would say most of my family is in Georgia. And so it was just, we're just going to be running around the entire time. And kind of from there, we, ha we also had a very short timeline. So I got really lazy and I kind of didn't really want to pack my things, right? In terms of like mm. my skincare and my makeup and stuff like that. Mm. And the whole, my thinking was that I could just use you know, whatever my cousins had or whatever my mom would want to bring. Yes. Um, just because I, knowing myself, being really busy and stuff like that, I got overwhelmed. So I knew even if I did pack things, it would just be all cramped in a bag and I wouldn't really want to do anything with it. So I was no. like, we're just going to skip the steps and I'm just going to, you know, use whatever somebody else has. And then yeah. from there... I think just match with the weather. I actually broke out in cystic acne. So it's a different type of acne. Mm. Um, so that was a really great time in my life in terms of my skin. Mm. But that experience is kind of what jump started this whole bag idea. So kind of all things colliding at once, me finding yeah. out about this program, having this experience, wanting to do beauty. And so kind of that trifecta kind of came together mm. yeah so um then I joined the program I had saved up about a year for that and it kind of sped everything up really it helps you from sourcing and how to connect to people and um kind of stuff like that so by the end of the program I at least had a sample. So my first sample of the bag I got yes. in December of 2020. And, you know, post-program, um, it was, it almost felt like nothing, I wasn't progressing um, at that mm. point, just because there was a lot of sourcing issues, like I said, because of COVID. Yeah. Um, a lot of factories were closed down. And so I had kind of run into that issue, but I had met a really great production partner um, from there. And he actually got started with Kate Spade, which is really exciting. So I think 
kind of with meeting with him, he was kind of my saving grace just because anything that I was missing, he was able to fill in those gaps. Um, And especially because my bag is kind of a specialty bag. Um, Funny enough, the design of it wasn't, it didn't come to, um, it wasn't too hard to develop in that sense. Mm. You know, I just kind of sat down one day and just really thought about what I wanted um, just based off my experience from moving here and then going to Georgia. Mm. Um, But I think the difficulty that I had with my bag was actually getting someone to make it. So I've had quite a few um, potential partners try to work on it. And, you know, it looks relatively simple enough, but I think when they got down to it, they're just like, actually like, we can't do this. So Mm. it was, um, quite a, it was quite a struggle from there match with like the sourcing, but it's a miracle. It's a good point for me to kind of interject. Um, so, so I want to fill in a few gaps that are in my head. Um, when you moved from California to Washington, D.C., did you move because of work related? Did you continue working there or family or why, why did you move to Washington, D.C.? Yeah, so it was a mixture of work and family. So, ah, um, right. mm-hmm, so I was able to get another job here. And then also my parents did move here um, along with my brother. So my nuclear family in that sense are all here, but I actually come from a really huge family. (laughs) So yeah, it feels like my, I guess, extended family, like my cousins and my uncles, like they almost feel nuclear to me. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. And um, so when you're doing this project and you said you went on this program and started developing this project, did you still also carry on with holding down a job as well? Yeah, I did. So I, I guess I started my job in summer of 2019. Um, and so maybe about like, eight months, I think, um, you know, I just did the regular nine to five every day type of thing. And then I actually entered the fashion program in May of 2020. So by then we had already started teleworking. And so for me, primarily we did kind of half and half. So I worked from home maybe two days a week. And then during those times, um, When I was in the program, you know, the commute is cut. You know, I have a lot more time in between. So that the pandemic kind of afforded me that luxury of, I think, balancing it, um, trying to start the business and work a traditional job Mm. better than I think if it hadn't had happened. Yeah, because you would have been doing nine to five going into work. And then having to work on your project in the evenings and and stuff, I guess. Yeah. And so, you know, just kind of work in between those hours, but I'm always in the same space. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Understood. Okay. 
Good. Thank you for that, for helping me with that. So when you you said you completed the program, um, how long was the program for? How many months was it? Did you say five months? Um, so it is a six-month-long program. Six months. Mm-hmm. But I, I would probably say five months is really accurate just because the last month is kind of for tying up loose ends, asking any right. questions. Um because it, it is a self-paced program, but they also slow drip you all the information. Yeah. And so the the other question I've got that came up in my head was, you said earlier on, I've always been interested in starting my own business. Mm-hmm. Where did that come from? What, where did that, you know, desire to start your own business originate? You know, that is kind of a mystery. I have thought about that. I think (laughs) maybe I'm just a little bit defiant. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really like listening to authority, um, which I guess if I did really have to think about it, I think it's more just, I like the idea of the freedom But also, I was always creative as a child. Um, I just have a lot of memories of just coloring things and drawing and stuff like that. So I think maybe that kind of creative aspect really tied in with, I think, my desire for a little bit of autonomy and freedom. Mm. And I think that kind of um, translated it into that. But when I first started this business it really was I really did enjoy like the creative process of that Mm. and so I think just having that creative freedom and that control is kind of what always drew me to it yeah okay and are there any fam in your family because you've got this extended family uh, are there business people there yeah there are so um, in Georgia, I did have an aunt and uncle who owned a, I think growing up primarily it was a convenience store business and then it's mm. kind of expanded to other things like that. But I think in terms of like a creative business like this, I would probably say I'm the first one that I can right. think of. Yes. Um, so yeah, from there, I yeah, I don't think there's really much um, mm. entrepreneurship creative in no. my family. Okay, great. And then I'll let you continue with the the journey. Um, but there's one other question that pops up into my head, and that is the product itself, um, the bag. So could you tell us a little bit more about the bag? and why you think your bag is solving a particular problem that you believe needs solving. Yeah, so I developed the -the on-the-go organizer, and I would describe it as a really portable but multifaceted traveling case for your makeup and beauty needs. And the inspiration from that was 
I guess, part of the design inspiration. So it's a dual compartment bag. So it's like a double-sided um, compartment situation. And yes. the idea from that was that my main gripe with other carrying cases is that it's all kind of just in one thing, right? Yeah. And one so, hole, yeah. Yeah. One, one bag, basically. Everything goes in one compartment, yeah. Yeah, and so that was um, kind of, I think, my sh- my bugbear with um, most cosmetic cases because if I were to bring everything in the shower, like all my stuff would get wet and then I'd have to take everything out anyways. And then you have to put it all back in. And I know that probably sounds a little lazy, but <laughs> it's the truth. I'm lazy, right? Yes. Work smarter, not harder. And so That's right. that was kind of the um, double-sided aspect of it. And then I think with the pandemic, you know, the whole ritual of like hand sanitizer and mask, I think a lot of people are more conscious of that. Yes. And through the program, I was able to find a supplier who had um, an antimicrobial faux leather. And from there, it kind of, I guess, <laughs> run amok, right? Mm, and so I mm. really started looking for other antimicrobial products or finishes, mm. anything that I can add to it. Mm. And so that's how that whole antimicrobial aspect of the bag came about. And tied in with that, you know, kills the germs is double-sided, but then I guess, you know, more imagination scenarios, having to take the product out, put it on the counter, you know, gets all germy, goes back in, goes onto your face type of thing. So I really wanted to design it so that you didn't really need to take out your products like I even have a cap holder in it, you know, it's just a little pocket at the bottom, but, and, you know, you can't even hold anything in it in terms of like closing it up, but it's just that whole idea that nothing really has to go outside of the bag. You don't have to take everything out. You know, the pockets are suspended um, kind of at the top, just so you have a lot of room. um, If you put things like in the middle and then it gets cramped, like all the stuff on the side. So, yeah, my my own experience, my laziness, my our new germaphobe-ness kind of mm. all came into this on-the-go organizer. Wow. And um, did you do a lot of research to see if people had products like this around already? Yeah, so with, I think what makes my product unique is really just the, I think the multifaceted aspect of it. I haven't really seen that um, in terms of it being double-sided back-to-back. I've seen maybe, I've seen one thing um, sort of similar to it, but it's more of like a really small um, pouch. Yes. So I hadn't really seen anything like this. And then I think in terms of the antimicrobial aspect, you know, this whole idea came about 
I think at the same time as, um, you know, the March 2020, right? That month. Yes. Yes. And so, yeah, I think from there, you know, obviously nobody really expected what happened in 2020. So I hadn't really seen anything like that um, before then. I think since there is maybe one product that I've come across that is antimicrobial, but I don't think it's completely antimicrobial. So I think there are elements out there piece by piece. Yes. Um, but I think all in one, I would say I haven't seen anything like my product. Okay. No, cool. I mean, that sounds amazing. Um, and so t- tell us then, you know, you, you said you had some issues in terms of sourcing. Then this guy came about and he assisted you to sort some of these things out. So where are you now in terms of your journey with it? Yeah, so the things I had trouble sourcing, I think, was, so one of the features is a hanging hook. So it kind of hides in the middle of where the two compartments are. Yes. And so with that, I, funny enough, it was one of the first items I was able to securely source. Right. But then I think as time went on, you know, with the factory closures and stuff like that, it became, I was able to like get it quoted and like, you know, at least have a minimum and a number and things like that. But as mm. kind of time went on, um, I think they had at least closed down temporarily. And so we're just kind of in a limbo from there. So yeah, it was one of those things where if I didn't really have it, you know, this kind of a key feature um, in terms of the organizational aspect of it. And Mm. so that was a trouble that I had had, but this production partner, he's in New York City and, you know, he's been in the business. I think, I think this is his 43rd year. And so um, he actually made my first sample and you know, I was trying to do like my due diligence, looking at other production partners and things like that. But mm. I kind of struck gold, I guess, on my first try. Um, so, Cause you know, you, you, yeah, just do your due diligence, look at other partners and things like that. But then that's how I came across, you know, nobody else really knows how to make this. Yes. Um, or even if they did, you know, the, I guess, barriers to entry were a lot harder just because I am limited on funds. Yes. Um, Because getting another sample could go anywhere between, you know, two to $5,000. So um, even certain people who can just look at a bag and quote it, or at least try to make it for a lot cheaper of a cost, um, those are all no-goes. And so there are, you know, potentially a couple more that I could have looked into, but it's kind of limited to that. But working with this guy, I think, um, I think it's like a more of a question of guts versus like, quote unquote, what you should do. Right. Mm, Um, mm. Always had a good feeling about him. And so I guess it kind of just worked out that he became my only option again. Um, 
Yeah, I'm I mean, you, at some point, you, you're right, though, because at some point you can continue looking and searching and evaluating. and But if you've got a gut feeling with that person and they're doing the right things for you, then, yeah, you've just got to kind of... You can only work with one at a time anyway, can't you? And if it all goes wrong, then you're going to learn from it. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. 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 I think that's a good way to put it. I think at this point, I was just kind of looking to look. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, he, so. so, so, um, he helped you to source the right. Well, is he actually going to be eventually producing it in bulk as well? That is correct. Yes. Yeah. And where, where will the product be manufactured? In New York City, so it'll be American-made. Wow, that's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think especially after, you know, kind of the job losses and things like that. And also it gives me a lot more control over the process um, mm. instead of think- having... Sorry, go ahead. Yes. Oh, I think, you know, being based, having your manufacturing based in the U.S., especially if, you know, you're local, it just gives you a lot more control rather than having to kind of just talk with someone through a liaison, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And the time as well, you know, in terms of being able to get samples done or you know, find out that there are issues in production, you know, by the time something goes on a container for five or six weeks, <laughs> there's nothing you can do about changing it, right? Um, that That's, I think, I think that sounds really, really interesting, the fact that you are making it in the USA. And that's perhaps when I, when I read all of the stuff out on your on your Facebook and the website and stuff, I that didn't jump out at me, and that might be something you could add to your, you know, which I'm sure you will do, um, yeah. <laughs> because I think it's a great selling point, great selling point. Okay, so I, I keep interrupting you. Apologies. So keep going with in terms of sharing where you are with the product. Yeah, so I guess we can kind of go back to more roadblocks. So probably around May, my sample got lost, which is really great. And so, yeah, but I think with that, I so I am getting two more samples made right now. Mm. And I think, you know, it's kind of more about as an entrepreneur rolling with the punches. Yes. So I think a really positive outcome of losing my original sample is that these samples will be a lot closer to what the final production product will be. Mm. I would honestly say there are probably only going to be two things that are going to be different than the final Um production samples and what will be sold. Yeah. Um, 
which I would say the last sample, it was about 90% there. So that's like a ton of progress. So in terms of positive outcomes, right, that, I mean, yeah, it really sucked losing the sample. Mm. And it was so dumb too, because where I had it shipped, I know my FedEx guy knows where this is supposed to go, right? But, you know, that's just how it goes sometimes. Uh, Yeah, but it's an expensive loss as well, isn't it? And it's all the time involved. And yeah, where if you if you're tracking against the progress on a timeline of what you're trying to achieve, it it puts you back, doesn't it? It definitely does. Um, Yeah, that that it definitely does. But you know, it's loss, right? And so. I was lucky enough to be able to have enough to get um, more samples made. I would, no, I, well, I was lucky enough to still have enough to have two samples made. And yes. so that was more of an executive decision. You're like, you know what? At least have it like really close. Yes. So. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. So any more roadblocks you anticipating? Oh, probably a lot more, but I don't know what they are yet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's quite worrying, isn't it? So you got two samples on their way at the moment Mm -hmm. or in in production coming your way soon. Yeah. And then what happens after that, Diane? So after that, I think this will probably be next month in the month of July. It's really just getting the photos taken for the Kickstarter and having all of that ready. Um, just a lot of marketing prep for that. And then mm. once we get to the Kickstarter, it's kind of just going from there. Um, so my Kickstarter is going to be August 1st to August 31st, the entire month of August. And then from there, if when we get funded, it'll just be about, you know, getting all my materials. And I think a lot of them are, at least a lot of the partners that I'm working with are domestic. So in terms of timeline and things like that, I think it'll definitely be a bit shorter um, than if, you know, we were to go overseas. Yes. And have you, have you got experience of doing Kickstarter? No, this will be my first one. But okay. um, actually, because I found you through Hamilton Perkins, who um, kind of guided me through that. So I think even with being a new entrepreneur with the internet and things like that, you know, you have other people who can help you and guide you who did what you want to do. So Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. So you've got some advice on the Kickstarter and how to to get all that organized. Yeah, and actually, um, the program, the fashion program that I was in, Factory Forty Five, uh, the founder also did a Kickstarter, and right. from there, you know, you have mentors and other alumni. They've all gone through Kickstarter, so it's just a really big. Um, network i guess of people who've been there done that so well make sure to give me the link to the kickstarter even though 
this podcast may have been published before then. Obviously, yeah. it will be, but I will still include it because the podcast continues, you know, for quite a while in terms of it's never taken off. Um, the episode remains there for, I'm not sure how long they stay there, but it seems to be forever. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, and I'll include the link in that. Oh, wow. And what what is the so what is the dream? What is what are you hoping for? In terms of, I guess, like my vision or my dream, um, I would love to include more colors. I would love to do, you know, more smaller size products. But like I said, I had always had an interest in beauty. And actually, I forgot to mention this kind of for like maybe a year and a half or two, I actually did a little bit of studying to get into cosmetic chemistry. Right. I'll probably say that was a little bit after college in terms of my timeline. Um, or just such a short blip, but um, it's just because I did that part-time. And so I would love to kind of go back into that and, you know, get into the lab again. <laughs> wow. Sounds fascinating. And and it, it's funny that your story involved, you know, some of the issues you had with your skin when you were younger and then when you were a bit older. Um, I'm, it's my wife has recently been going through a similar story, but... Um, she experienced something which is called postmenopausal acne. And um, I'll, I'll send you the details of a product that she's found, which has created some miracles for her and her skin. And uh, you may wish to check out this company and the products that they're making as part of your solution for some of your clients, potentially. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I'll, let, I'll I'll send you those details that might be quite interesting to tie up the product with the products as well in some way. So, um, okay. And in terms of the bag itself, um, when it starts being released and manufactured, is it going to be hopefully this year, do you think? Like, I don't know, Christmas time? Yeah, end of the year is with the Kickstarter ending in August. Um, so everything would start moving in September. Kind of towards the end of the year is looks very likely, which is exciting. Um, I think there's kind of a, I guess, cardinal rule that you shouldn't launch Kickstarter um, kind of I guess, after that, right? So kind of that holiday period, you know, mm. everybody's getting stretched thin with money mm. just for gifts and stuff like that. But I think having it, you know, just a little bit before yes. um, to have it delivered by then, I think that's, you know, that's like divine intervention. That was just coincidence. I don't, yeah, right. that really wasn't on purpose, but. No, but that would work out. nicely, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. And then, where and how, let's say, 
you've done the Kickstarter, you've got to make products for that, I guess. And then where are you going to then sell the product, you know, for the rest of the, for the future? Yeah, so it's going to be on akushio.co, A-K-U-S-H-I-O.co, and it'll be available on there. Okay. And is it going to be available just in the U.S., internationally? So for the Kickstarter, it would be available internationally. And I think from there, um, I would kind of have to see, you know, I kind of, I think initially, at least at this stage, it would just be U.S. and Canada. Um, so, yeah, I think Kickstarter... If you're outside of those two countries, that would be the perfect time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So, so be Kickstarter first, then after that, the products will be for sale on your website, basically. And oh. that's where people will be able to get it. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Well, I, I've asked, asked all my questions, Diane. So is there anything else you'd like to share that I haven't prompted you to, to share with us? Um, no, I think we kind of went through a little bit of everything. <laughs> I think we did, didn't we? And would you like to just, you've shared the website. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, I know you're on you know, and other areas like Facebook and Instagram. And do you want to just share verbally those locations as well? Uh, again, I'll put it in the show notes, but just mention it as well. Uh, from like the website or just the social media? Yeah, just social media. Yeah. Okay. So you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at acutio.co. Oh, great. So it's really easy. It's all the same. They're all the same. <laughs> yeah, perfect. The website, the handles, all just accusio.co. And I'm curious, how are you finding TikTok? I think it's really fun. I think as a creator, it's pretty exhausting. Yes. Very addicting. It definitely is. If I recommend if you have not gotten into it, just don't because you'll don't. love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting how it's taken off, isn't it? There's a, yeah. And I did look at it once. I went into it probably about 18 months ago, maybe a couple of years ago. And I looked at it and I, like for one day and I went, I'm out, I'm out of here. This is, this is going to be just a, a time suck. It's just going to draw me in and, and I'm not going to get anything done. So, but again, from a marketing point of view, it's becoming more and more important, of course, uh, which is, you know, that's why I was asking, do you believe it's an important place Oh, let's put it this way. Is TikTok, do you think, because you're much younger than me, <laughs> and uh, do you think TikTok is more important than, say, Instagram now? Oh, that's really interesting. 
I would say the impact of TikTok is a lot stronger than Instagram right now. I think there's, I read a comment on TikTok saying that the best way to grow your Instagram following is to grow on TikTok. Wow. Yeah. So I think, I think what TikTok does really well is their algorithm really matches people with with the right content. Right. And so they just get a lot more engagement. I know, um, f- at least from like a business or even like an influencer standpoint. Yes. A lot of people are very not happy with the Instagram algorithm. Right. And so I think TikTok kind of fills that gap that a lot of businesses and even just creators have been feeling with Instagram. So I think that's really what propelled TikTok um, on top of all the time that people had to scroll and also create. Mm. That's a really interesting insight. I I thank you very much for sharing that. Um, I had not looked at it that way before. And I think, yeah, for influencers, who are promoting products for companies. Um, obviously, it's really important for those to be seen as much as possible. So thank you for that. I really appreciate that. Well, please do keep us posted on your progress, on your entrepreneurial journey, on everything that's happening uh, with the Kickstarter, when it becomes live on your website. And I'll make sure to let, you know, the people know on, you know, put it in the show notes and, and fantastic news. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for being on the show and love chatting with you. And I I look forward to seeing your progress with this. I really do. Thank you, Michael. Take care for now. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe and share at will. I'm always looking for more listeners and guests, so do get in touch, please. You can find me pretty easily by searching for Staying Alive UK. Thank you. Staying Alive UK. Share your story.